This is a story from Germany called The Three Dogs. Now there was once a shepherd who lived in a small house under a hill, and he had two children, a son and a daughter. His wife had died when they were quite small, and he brought them up as best as he could, just himself. Now he didn't have very much, just a small house and three sheep, and that was all. Now one day, when the old man was growing older, he started to feel ill, and he went to his bed, and his son and his daughter tended him lovingly, but it was no use. The old man's time was up. He was going to die. He called his son and his daughter to him, and he said, I have little to give you, but what I have I want you to share equally between yourselves. I don't want any arguing or any bad feeling between you. I want you to make a decision and to split everything fairly. They promised him faithfully that they would do that. Well, sadly, the old man died. And after his funeral, the boy turned to his sister and said, Sister, my love, what would you like? We've only got the house and three sheep. Which would you rather have? Oh, I'd rather have the house, she said. If that's okay with you, yes, absolutely fine, my dear. We, we did say we would not fall out about anything. You have the house, and I'll take the sheep. But I'll go out into the world and see if I can seek my fortune. Others have done it and succeeded. And, you know, I was born on a Sunday, so maybe I'll be lucky. Well, she blessed him, hugged him, kissed him goodbye, and the boy set off, driving his three sheep down the road. Now, fortune was not easy to find. Although he seeked fortune all his days on the road, he didn't find anything. And one day he was sitting rather gloomily by the side of a crossroads, wondering which way to go now. The three sheep were happy and were grazing away, fine and fat and healthy. Now, the young man realized that he wasn't alone. He hadn't seen the stranger come up to him, but there was a stranger sitting alongside him now. And he had with him three dogs. Now, they were black, shaggy dogs, and each one was bigger than the other, or smaller than the other, depending on which way you were looking at it. There was a small dog, a middle-sized dog, and a big dog. Well, the stranger smiled at the boy, and he said, That's some very fine sheep you've got there. Do you know that? A really good sheep. Yes, he said. They're all I have in the world. Well, it's your lucky day, said the stranger, because I will trade you those three sheep for my three dogs. Well, although the young man was tired and, and weary and feeling sad, he still laughed out loud and went, <laughs> Well, what would I want three dogs for? At least my sheep can feed themselves but the dogs would expect me to feed them, and I can't feed myself. So why would I want three dogs? Ah, don't be so hasty, said the stranger. 
These are no ordinary dogs, you know. These are very special dogs. Now, the little one here is called Foodbringer. And whenever you want food, you just ask him, and he will go and get you food. The middle one is called Terror, and he will tear to pieces anything that or anyone you tell him to. And the big one here is called Iron and Steel Breaker, and, well, you can guess the rest. That's what he does. They will serve you well. In fact, they will make you your fortune. Well, the boy wasn't convinced. But he thought about it, and then and eventually he said, Well, okay then, I'll risk it. And so the stranger and him shook hands, and the stranger drove away his three sheep. And the boy was sitting there with the three dogs sitting alongside him. Well, the young man was hungry. I mean, he hadn't eaten for a while. So he turned to the smallest dog and he thought, Well, now's the time to find out whether I've been cheated or not. So he said to the smallest dog, Bring me food. And the dog was off like a shot. Off he went. And in no time at all he came back and he was carrying in his mouth a big basket and he dropped it right in front of his master's feet, tail wagging like mad. And the boy looked down, and he was amazed, because it was full of food. The basket contained all his favorite food, and a lot more besides, things that he had never seen before, never tasted before, but they all tasted good. And he ate his fill, and he drank his fill, and it was wonderful. He petted the dog and thanked it. And then they all set off down the road. Now they carried on going for a while, and the young man had never been fed so well in his life as he was now. Foodbringer would go and take him the most wonderful food, and they all had a very happy time eating that and having little adventures. It was great. Life was good. Now, it was a nice summer as well, and the sun was shining, the birds were singing. It was lovely. And one day, the young man was walking down the road with his three dogs, when he saw coming towards them a carriage. And in the carriage was a beautiful girl. And she was all dressed in black, and she was crying. Now, the the carriage was being pulled by two horses, and they were black as well. And the coachman who was driving them was also dressed in black, black coat, black hat, black trousers. And they all seemed sad. The horses were not going along at a smart clip-clop. They were just plodding along slowly and sadly, with their heads hanging down. And the man who was driving them also seemed sad as well. His head was drooped down on his chest. And the horses just clip-clopped, and the girl in the back wept and wept. What a strange thing, thought the young man. And he shouted to the coach driver, Hey, what's going on here? Who's the girl, and why do you all look so sad? Ah, clear off, said the coach driver, who wasn't a very nice man. 
Clear off, he says. None of your business. Well, no, it isn't any of my business, but I'm just concerned. I mean, the girl seems very upset. What's wrong? Off you go, he says. Take your dogs with you. Now, the horses weren't moving very fast, so the young man was able to keep up with them. And he kept asking the same question over and over to the coach driver until eventually the coach driver got fed up. And he said, well, okay, I'll tell you. You see, near here, there is a dragon. And this dragon lives up in the mountains here. And it's a terrible, terrible plague on the country. The king, whose kingdom this is, has to pay it tribute every year. A maiden has to be given to the dragon to eat. And they draw lots for it, all the girls, all the maidens in the village. They all draw lots. And this year the lot has fallen on the king's daughter. She's only fourteen. She's got to be fed to the monster. Oh, that's terrible, said the young man. Oh, the poor wee thing, no wonder she's crying, and he felt so sorry for this wee lassie. Well, he followed along with the coach until eventually the coach stopped at a path that led up to the mountain. Now, the girl climbed out of the coach, still weeping, and she started trembling to walk that road, to take that path, to the mountains, to the dragon, to her death. Well, she walked alone, crying. But the young man and the dogs walked behind her. Now the coach driver said, You're a fool. Don't go with her. You'll get killed too. But he paid no attention. He followed the princess as she walked bravely up that road to her doom. Well, when she got about halfway up, there was a great rumbling and a shaking of the ground, and there came the dragon, a huge, evil-looking beast. He was covered all over with scales, hard scales like armor, and it breathed fire from its mouth. Smoke came out of its breath, and the smell of sulphur was in the air. It was horrible, and the talons on its feet were massive, huge, tearing claws, and it had leathery wings on its back, and it came down to the princess, and she was so scared she couldn't even scream. She just stood there and stared at the monster, eyes wide, expecting any moment to be snapped up and eaten, and the dragon was just about to spring on her, when the young man said to the middle dog, Terror, tear it to pieces. And the dog sprang on the dragon. Now the dragon's neck was softer than the rest of the scales, and the dog seized it by the throat, and it clung on tightly. The dragon roared out of it, and it shook its body to try to shake the dog off, but the dog had a grip on it like a vice. It held on to the dragon's throat, and it worried the dragon, 
I don't mean that it made the dragon a bit concerned. I mean it worried it. It strangled the dragon. It throttled it. It had it by the throat, and it held on until the dragon died. And then the dog, having been a bit tired by doing all of this, decided that it was hungry. So it ate the dragon, the whole lot, scales, bones, the works. And eventually, after it had gorged itself, in no time at all it ate the dragon down. The only thing that was left was a few of the dragon's teeth. Now the young boy picked up the dragon's teeth and he put it in his pocket. And he petted his dog and he turned to the princess and said, You're all right now. You're safe. Oh, what can I say, she said. I cannot thank you enough. You must come with me back to the castle and the king will reward you for saving me. Well, he said, you know, I'm, I still have things to do. What do you have to do that could be more important than that? I decided to set out and see the world, he said, and I've not seen enough of it yet. But I will come and claim that reward from you, but I'll do it in three years' time. Okay? I promise. I'll be there in three years, and you can tell your dad all about what I did, and he can decide what he wants to give me as a reward. Well, the girl was so happy. She skipped down that mountain. She didn't expect to be going down the way as well as going up, but she was now, and she was happy. She was singing to herself along with the birds in the trees. And when she got down to the carriage, the coachman turned to her and said, Well... I didn't expect to see you come back, but he opened the door for the carriage and he let her get in. Now, as I had said earlier, this coachman was not a nice man. Oh, no, not a bit of him. There was not one good bone in that man's body. And now he proved it, because he drove a way back that went over a bridge and under the bridge there was a roaring river, a huge churning river that ran down from the mountains. It was in rapids, going around rocks. It was powerful. And he stopped right in the middle of the bridge, and he went into the carriage, and he said to the princess, That man that saved you, that boy there, he didn't claim a reward. So he's gone, so why don't you tell your father, the king, that I saved you? But that's not true, she said. Yes, but who's to know? I mean, nobody was there to see it other than me and you. So you tell him that it was me that saved you. I should get the reward. And if you don't, I'll throw you over this bridge into that torrent below, and you'll die in the river. And nobody will question me about it, because everybody expects you to be eaten by the dragon anyway. But you must promise me. You must swear on your word of honour that you will not betray me, that you will say that it was me that saved you, and it was me who should get rewarded. Well, what could the princess do? She gave him his word, 
she gave him her promise that she would not tell the truth. And they rode back to the castle, while the whole town and the castle in it was all bedecked in black. Black flags were hanging from the castle, and everybody was sad and weeping, because the king was a popular man, and his daughter was much loved. But when they saw the princess come back, the king ordered all the black flags to be torn down, and nice, bright, gay, cheerful ones were to be hoisted in their place. And the whole banners in the castle just flickered like a rainbow. It was beautiful. Now, the princess told the king what the coachman wanted her to, that it was him that had saved her from the dragon. And the king said, My dear man, I cannot thank you enough. There is no words that can thank you as much as I would like to thank you. But I will make you an important man here, and I will marry you to my daughter. But she is still rather young, so give us a year. I'll marry you to my daughter in a year's time. Well, the coachman agreed. He was delighted. <clears throat> he was taken away and dressed up in fine new suit of clothes, and he was given fancy titles, and he was taught how to behave like one of the lords, something that was more befitting the man who was to be married to the king's daughter. Well, when the princess heard that she was to marry the coachman, she burst into tears. She wept, and she wept bitterly. Oh, she didn't want to marry that horrible man who had threatened to kill her. But what could she do? She couldn't tell the king the truth. Oh, no, she had promised. And a promise is a promise. Now a year passed, and the princess went to see the king and said, Father, it is coming to the time when I have to marry the coachman. But I'm too young yet. I'm too young to be getting married. Please leave it another year before you marry me to him. Well, she begged and she pleaded, and the king loved her so much that he couldn't bear to see her being so upset, and he said, Yes, my dear, well, we'll put it off for another year yet. Now another year passed, and it had dawned on the princess that the young man had said that he would come back to claim his reward in three years' time. So again she went to the king, and she begged and she pleaded for him to leave her for another year before she had to marry the coachman. I'm still too young, she said. Please leave it another year, father. And, well, he couldn't deny his daughter anything, and he said, yes, we'll leave it for another year, but I cannot put it off any more than that. In a year's time you must marry this man. So she agreed. And that was that. Now the time passed, and it came to the time when she was due to marry the coachman, and there was still no sign of the young man. Now the king had declared 
that his daughter was to marry the man who had rescued her, and a big betrothal feast was held. Now, when you're betrothed, it means that you're engaged. You are, you give oaths to each other to be married. And so that's what this was. She had to say that she would marry him, and he said that he would be very happy to marry her. Well, a large feast was prepared, and they all sat there dining, and everybody was happy and merry, except for the princess. Now, at that time, a young man walked into town with three black shaggy dogs with him, one bigger than the other, or smaller than the other, depending on what way you look at it. And he could see that all the town was all decked out with flags, and there was celebration. And he said, What is it that's going on here? And one of the local people said, Why, the princess is marrying the man who saved her from the dragon. It's their betrothal feast this very day. What? said the man. The man who saved her from the dragon? Who was that? Why, he was her coach driver, he said. The villain, he said. The traitor, the thief, the liar. Well, the townspeople were shocked to hear him say such a thing. He didn't save the princess. He's a liar and he's a cheat. He's a fraud. He didn't save anybody. Well, the people were so outraged because they loved the princess so much. And here was the man that had saved her life, being insulted by this ragamuffin coming to town with his dogs. So they called for the palace guards, and they came down, and when they heard what he was saying, they took him away up to the castle, and they threw him into a dungeon, and locked the door. They clapped an iron ring around his ankle, and he was chained to the wall. Now he was sitting there on a pile of straw, and he was thinking to himself, Oh, just my luck, eh? Looks like my luck's ended now. I'm stuck here, and there's no way of getting out. And that imposter, that liar, that fraud, is now going to marry the princess and get all the rewards that I should have got? It's not fair, he thought. Well... Outside he could hear a sound, a <laughs> whimpering sound of dogs crying, and he remembered his dogs, and he went up to the little window of the cell which had iron bars on them, and he shouted as loud as he could, Iron and steel breaker, come and save me. Well, he could hear a scrambling sound up the sides of the walls, and then two big, huge black paws appeared at the window, and there was iron and steel breaker, and it chewed through the iron and steel bars with its huge teeth, until it had chewed up all the bars on the window, and it crawled through, and it chomped on the floor next to its master, and then it bit through his chains, and bit the iron circle around his ankle, so that he was free, and then it chomped up, climbed up the wall, through the window, and down the other side. Well, the young man followed it, and he was outside free with his three dogs, and they went off to a place where they thought that they would be safe, away from people that might recognize them. Now, the young man realized that he was hungry. It had been a while since he'd eaten, 
So he turned to the little dog, and he said, Foodbringer, bring me food. And Foodbringer disappeared off as fast as it could, and it came back again, and in its mouth it was carrying a napkin, and inside the napkin there was lovely little dainty food. Well, it wasn't a feast exactly, but it was nice, and so the man, the young man ate what the dog had brought him. And then he looked at the napkin, and he saw on it that there was a crown embroidered on it. It was the princess's napkin. Now what had happened was the king was feasting there with this evil man that was claiming to have saved his daughter. And the princess sat on the other side of him. When a dog, small, black, shaggy dog, came running in and jumped up on the table in front of the princess, and it licked her hand, and it looked at her in the eyes, and the eyes of the dog seemed to beseech her. It seemed to be saying, Don't worry, but remember, be truthful. He's here, and he will save you again. Well, she took her own napkin, and she gave it to the dog, and the dog hurriedly put the nice things in it and carried it off. But instead of just carrying it off, running through the door, the dog vanished, disappeared into thin air, right in front of the princess. The princess knew then that the man that had saved her had come back for her. And she said to the king, Father, may I speak to you in private, please? So he left with her, and they went into a little chamber on their own, and she told him everything. She told him about this strange young man with the three dogs that had saved her life, and how he said he would be back in three years, and now he was back, and how the horrible coachman had threatened to kill her if she didn't lie and say that he was the one that had saved her. Well, when the king heard that, he was furious. He called one of his pages to him, and he told him to go down to the village, find the man with the three black shaggy dogs, and bring them to him. And in no time at all the page came back, and there was a handsome young man striding into the halls with his three dogs with him. And when the princess saw him, she was so overjoyed, she ran to him and threw her arms round him and kissed him, and said, My saviour, my saviour, you've come back to save me again. And the king hugged him, and he thanked him for saving his daughter's life. And if any proof was needed, the young man put his hand in his pocket, and he took out the dragon's teeth and gave them to the king as a gift. Well, the king walked through into the hall, carrying the dragon teeth, and behind him came the princess, hand in hand with the young man, and when the coach driver saw that, the blood drained from his face. He went as white as a sheet and started to shake. The king ordered that he be arrested. His fine suit of clothes was taken from him, and he was cast in rags into the deepest dungeon that the king had. Now, the princess didn't want to waste any more time to get married, and the two of them were married the very next day, and there was a grand feast held and a grand ball with much dancing and merriment. 
everything was great. And the princess loved this young man so much, and he loved her too. And the princess loved the dogs as well. The dogs that had been so important had saved her. She petted and fussed over them. Now, it came that one day the, the young man was thinking, and, and he said to the princess, You know, there is something that I should have done, and I should have done it right from the start. But for some reason it seems to have slipped my mind, but it is back now, and it is strong, and I must do it. What's that? said the princess. Well, I have a sister, and she's living all alone in a little cottage, and she's very poor, and I want her to share in my joy, in my success as well, my good fortune. I want her to have a share of that too. Quite right, said the princess. Yes, she should share in your good fortune. And so she had a carriage sent to the house where the sister was taken and brought back to the castle in style. And there was a lovely and loving, loving reunion between her and her brother. And she met her new sister, her brother's wife, the princess, who hugged her and told her that she was welcomed here. And the old king led her by the hand up the stairs. And the royal servants, well, they bathed her and they combed her hair and they dressed her in the finest clothes till she looked like a princess too. And then one of the dogs spoke to the young man and said, Well, you don't need us any more. We are not needed here now. But we stayed with you just to see whether or not you would remember your sister. And you have, which shows that you have a good heart. But you don't need us now. But others might. Farewell, and may luck's blessings always be with you. And with that the three dogs disappeared, and the young man never seen them again. But he had everything in the world that he could have ever wished for, and him and the princess and his sister lived happily there for the rest of their days. <laughs>